today on Point of the Spear. These were not Viet Cong, your regular soldiers. These were well-trained, well-disciplined, well-equipped North Vietnamese Army regulars. Mm. And they were in a bunker complex about the size of an American football field, if you can imagine. Over 15 or 16 bunkers with mutual supporting fires and heavy vegetation. And they let us walk right into that. Retired Army Lieutenant Colonel and author Ed Sherwood is here to talk about his book on a hidden battle in Vietnam. And we'll hear from him right after this break. I'm Robert Child, and this is Point of the Spirit. Welcome back. Today's guest led an infantry platoon at Tam Key in Delta Company, 1st Battalion of the 501st Infantry fighting with the 1st Brigade of the 101st Airborne Division. He's written about that experience, and his book is called Courage Under Fire, 101st Airborne's Hidden Battle at Tam Key. An author and retired Army Lieutenant Colonel, Ed Sherwood joins us now. Ed, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Rob. It's great to be with you. I, uh, I read over the reviews, and your book has certainly got high praise. Uh, congratulations. Well, thank you. Well beyond any of my expectations. That's the best kind of praise. <laughs> Before we get into the book, I want to hear a little bit about your experience in the war and, and going off to Vietnam back in the early 60s or mid-60s. Can you tell us about that? Well, sure. I, uh, I have wanted to be in the Army since I was about 12 years old. It's the backstory to that, but I actually went to Georgia State University College then, right here in Atlanta, to go through ROTC. When I went to college, I knew I was going to come out, hopefully as a lieutenant, and then go to Vietnam, which I did. Um, I was in Vietnam within a year of coming on active duty, and that was pretty typical in 1969 of all my classmates. And um, I went, you know, I was regular army infantry, went through uh, ranger school, uh, jump school, airborne school. And then uh, lo and behold, when I came out of ranger school, they assigned me to the ranger department. And I was there um, almost an additional five months working with a lot of combat veterans. When you come out of ranger school, the last place you want to be assigned is ranger school. <laughs> but but it actually turned out to be the best assignment I could, have, I could have had before combat. And when I went to Vietnam, you know, back in 69, there were no, mostly you came in as an individual replacement. Mm -hmm. And uh, you would go to the replacement center and they would give you three choices. And I put 101st Airborne three times. And lo and behold, counter to all army rumor, I ended up in the 101st Airborne. Just came in as a young lieutenant. Uh, had about 20 lieutenants come up to the 101st when I came up. And the brigade commander asked how many of us wanted to be an infantry platoon leader. And, and out of the 20, me and two others raised our hand, foolishly or not. <laughs> within, within a few days, we were with infantry platoons. And, uh, you know, had a pretty, pretty uh, uneventful first few months. And then great preparation for what we ended up with in Tam Key. Very rough battle down in Tam Key compared to what we had 
experienced. What year was it that you entered uh, Vietnam? Uh, January 11th, 1969. Okay, so it was the same year then. It, it, it was. And, and then uh, uh, I got wounded on June 2nd, 1969. So I, I was a platoon leader for just about five months. And uh, that's not untypical. They tried to rotate you after six months. So I almost made it. Yeah. I was I was the last platoon leader, and my I had the distinction of being the last platoon leader in my company to get wounded. The other two had been wounded, not killed. They're still alive. They're still friends, you know. But quite uh, quite a good experience. Now getting to the book, the operation it was called uh, Operation Lamar Plane, and yes. uh, what was the objective of that? Well, to, to be brief about it, uh, the AmeriCal Division, which was in the divisional area of operations, you know, divisions about 12,000, could be as high as 15,000. Uh, they were having trouble. They declared a tactical emergency. Hmm. And the 1st Brigade of the 101st had a long reputation as being the fire brigade for the entire uh, Vietnam Command. The 1st Brigade was picked to go down and help them out. Second, Second North Vietnamese Army a Division was threatening the provincial capital of Cam Key and also threatening the division headquarters. Mm -hmm. and, and we were we uh, we were simply to go down there and engage them and, and reduce the threat. Um, I happen to have the actual mission statement here in front of me. On May 15th, 1969, the 1st Brigade will move with two battalions and de designated support elements to the AmeriCal Division, currently operating in Southern I-Corps, and come under their operational control for immediate combat operations to relieve the pressure on Tamki Province and the AmeriCal Division headquarters. It was time limit undesignated. Ended up taking 90 days. Mm. Uh, first 30 days were the roughest where most of the casualties occurred. But that, that was basically it. And that was in March? Well, actually, May 15th is when we moved. Okay. And 13 August is when the operation was over. So it was about 90 days. Okay. And again, the, the first third of that 90-day operation was really where the heavy combat occurred. I see. Now, this battle at Tam Key has been overshadowed by the battle at Hamburger Hill and kept quiet or kept hidden. What do you believe were the factors for that? Well, uh, politically, mostly. And uh, there was nothing that occurred in the battle that would have caused any, uh, any complaint except the casualties. Uh, uh, if I might just give a little bit of the geopolitical, um, Sure. You know, 1968 was the was the year of the highest casualties in Vietnam. Back in back in March and April, uh, the surprise attack during the Tet Offensive of 1968 surprised everyone about the intensity of it and the, the size of it. Uh, it it ended up with General Westmoreland being moved and a new commander coming in. Secretary of Defense Robert, Robert McNamara ended up resigning. Mm -hmm. President Lyndon Johnson decided he better, well, he best not run for re-election because the war was not going well. Mm 
yeah. President Nixon was was elected for the first time on his promise to end the war. So he came in in January of 1969, about the same time I did. <laughs> no relation. <laughs> well, for several months, he was working on his promised solution and had not announced anything. But on May 14th, he announced to the United States on public television and to the world that the U.S. would no longer seek a purely military solution in Vietnam. Mm. He did not know Hamburger Hill was being fought. Uh, certainly he did not know the casualties because they had not been reported. Within a few days after his announcement on 14 May, on 20 May, the casualties were announced just after he said we weren't seeking a military solution. And there were over 500 in this one battle alone, killed and wounded. Wow. And so um, Senator Kennedy, as some might remember who were around then, went to the well of the Senate and said this was one of the most irresponsible battles in military, in U.S. military history. Well, that wasn't enough. And I'll be brief on this. Mm -hmm. Our battle started the day after President Nixon's announcement. And casualties, as I mentioned, were pretty heavy in the first few weeks. And the commander of Vietnam, uh, of Vietnam Command, top U.S. military commander, General Abrams, who I admire greatly, mm -hmm. decided the, the press following combat in Vietnam would not know of this battle. And because Hamburger Hill was sucking all the oxygen out of the air for the uh, it was, it was not too hard to keep this battle under wraps. The official term, it was undisclosed. Oh, I see. <laughs> and, and it remained undisclosed through the rest of the war and for two decades afterwards until the records were released. Uh, you know, it's not, not undisclosed to people like me who were in the battle. Right. Exactly. But, but it, it just was not ever made public. My book mm -hmm. is the first book on the battle. I hope you're enjoying this episode. Next time, my guest will be author Katja Hoyer discussing her just published book on Germany's Second Reich. It's exactly 150 years ago this year, the creation of Germany in 1871, and, and so little debate was had about the fact that this made a huge impact on, on Europe and the world, obviously, in, in lots of uh, negative ways, but also lots of positive ways. And I think it deserves as many conversations as, as we can have about that. That's next time. Thanks for listening to the program. I hope you'll support our guests by clicking on the book purchase link in this episode's description. Each purchase helps support local bookstores, and that's always a good thing. At the time uh, of President Nixon's announcement, were you aware of that announcement? Did you? No, no. When you're in the field, you're hardly aware of anything. Uh, you're lacking information on what's happening in the field. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Much less what's happening nationally. Yeah. And if you're back in a rear area, that's different. But it's good for the morale of the troops not to be tied into what's happening politically. Political, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because I would think that hearing that announcement would have cast a, a pall over the, the morale yes. of the troops. Well, you know, within just a few weeks, the first, uh, I believe it was on June 8th, I don't have that fact right in front of me, the first withdrawal from Vietnam was announced. We didn't know about that either.
But if you can imagine if you're in hot contact, combat with the enemy and a lot of people are being killed and hurt, uh, you wonder, you know, what's your purpose of even being there? Yeah. And do you want to be the last guy killed in Vietnam? Absolutely. Yeah. Which you don't want to be. <laughs> no, you don't want to be anywhere on that list. And we had a lot of folks. I wrote the book for them, actually. That's who the book is dedicated. The men we lost at Tam Key. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that dedication. Yeah. Um, was there a moment in this battle as a commander that sort of sticks in your mind that you'll never forget? Yeah. Well, right at the top of the list was the day I got wounded. But, you know, going away from that, uh, on 21 May of 1969, we had been at Tam Key for, for just uh, a matter of five or six days. We'd been looking for the enemy the whole time. And the uh, whole uh, brigade was looking for the enemy. But we found them when they wanted to be found. And uh, our first day-long contact on the 21st of May was pretty brutal. Our, our unit had never experienced anything of that scale. Uh, we encountered uh, over 100 enemy soldiers, well dug in. These were not, these were not Viet Cong, your regular soldiers. These were well-trained, well-disciplined, well-equipped North Vietnamese Army regulars. And they were in a bunker complex about the size of an American football field, if you can imagine. Over 15 or 16 bunkers with mutual supporting fires and heavy vegetation. And they let us walk right into that. And oh, it took, wow. a, it took a, <clears throat> the whole day to get our tooth. Our company was one of the first to engage. We had two platoons, not my platoon, uh, engaged, you might say, uh, almost trapped in, in that bunker complex. And uh, it took the other two companies that we had in the field to free us up. Um, I had lost my platoon sergeant. He had been pulled up the battalion. And I was down on combat leaders. I, 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 and I'm sitting there listening to this battle, not even 100 meters away. And I'm wanting my platoon to be committed. But after we got two, two platoons in there, company commander was more interested in getting two out rather than putting another one in. I see. Yeah. I, I'll just make a short statement on this. This Operation Lamar plane is a hidden, undisclosed battle. It had two Medal of Honor winners. And uh, the, set, the second Medal of Honor winner was in our Charlie company when they attacked to get our company free from, from, from the bunker complex. Uh, uh, it was one of the delayed Medal of Honors, uh, Santiago Arivia. He actually had a distinguished service cross that was upgraded to Medal of Honor by the Obama administration, well-deserved. Well, very good to hear. Was someone lobbying for his upgrade to the Medal of Honor? You know, I think Obama had, uh, within the military, had a commission to, to, to relook, particularly minority soldiers. I see. And, and I, Santiago was picked up in that. And, and frankly, that was a good thing that happened. Um, and not, you know, uh, I don't think there was ever any evidence that 
minority soldiers got really overlooked, but that gave an opportunity to identify some who did above and beyond as Arabia did. Mm-hmm. When you read uh, um, what I wrote about him, he, he, the Charlie Company attacked 100, 100 guys basically in Charlie Company. Right. He knocked out some bunkers personally that allowed the, the company to have a successful attack and free up our company. So it, it was beyond what you normally expect from a young specialist. You know, he, yeah. he, he showed up uh, pretty, pretty well that day. Well-deserved. Yeah, very much. Now, you referred to it earlier, your reasons for writing the book beyond the people that didn't make it back home. What were your strong reasons for writing this book? Well, number one, because this was an undisclosed hidden battle, the courage of these young soldiers, they lost uh, most, they lost, as I indicated, they lost their platoon leaders. We never had any senior NCOs, the experience in 69, your most experienced NCOs were junior NCOs who were on their first term. Mm. Everybody in the company, as these as our leaders got wounded and all, these young uh, junior enlisted soldiers stepped up. They were leading, they were platoon sergeants, they were platoon leaders. They were fighting under some pretty harsh conditions, and they prevailed in battle. And they won. They actually uh, um, accomplished what we were sent to Tamki for. We, our company and our battalion, had the decisive battle. And it was as a result of these young junior enlisted soldiers whose courage was never, I don't believe, appropriately recognized across Vietnam. Uh, Our battle, these young E3s, E4s away from home the first time, 19, 20 years old, uh, they just had not received, in my view, the credit they should have received. Uh, Ken Burns' 18-hour series, I watched it three times. I thought he did an excellent job, but it really did not focus on the young soldier, the citizen soldier. We had enlistees, we had draftees. You couldn't tell them apart in battle. They're, they're, you know, they're, they're, most of them, most of them were sons of, of combat veterans from the Korean War and, and World War II, or grandsons, or or nephews, and they lived. They were as good as soldiers as any war we've ever fought. But because of the political, uh, 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 I guess the political blanket over this war, their contribution to the fight was really, I don't think, ever recognized. And you know how it was. Well, let you ask the next question. I wanted to comment that I get that impression as well, that the courage of the Vietnam soldier has not been addressed and covered. Uh, Only in scattered, in in scattered things, but not, you know, on a broad way. Rob, you're exactly right. You you might remember because of the narrative uh, against the war, 69 is when most of the American population turned against the war. Uh, uh, coming home, uh, they often were, uh, the junior soldiers were often called baby killers, village burners, 
you know, the reputation later became they were psychotic and they were homeless and they were drug addicts and, and all of that. That's not true at all. You know, there, there were an element who turned uh, into homeless uh, uh, drug addicts. But, you know, if there's 2 million men and women who served in Vietnam and over 500,000 were combat soldiers. So their story needed to be told. And what better way to tell it than bringing up a hidden battle? Absolutely. And is that what you want to leave folks with, our listeners, about this battle? Is that is that the message? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, these guys are finally being recognized 50 years later in Veterans Day. They're, they, for almost a decade now, they've been well accepted. And, um, you know, what I am with, with, with the recognition my book is getting, it, it's in some ways being accepted as a definitive story of infantry combat in Vietnam. Uh, I got a call personally from the commanding general of the 101st Airborne telling me how much he appreciated. He was not, he was, he was in his teen years uh, at the most when this was being fought. But he said it was one of the best infantry combat books that he had ever read. And I, you know, we don't have that one down on the sheet because it's still active duty. And he gave me permission to quote him on that one. So that it's a book worth reading if you want to know what infantry combat was like in Vietnam. That's high praise indeed. It is. The book is called Courage Under Fire, the 101st Airborne's Hidden Battle at Tam Key. Ed, thank you so much for being with us today. Rob, it's an honor to be with you and tell the story of these young guys. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me. Next time, my guest will be author Katja Hoyer discussing her just published book on Germany's Second Reich. It's exactly 150 years ago this year, the creation of Germany in 1871, and, and so little debate was had about the fact that this made a huge impact on, on Europe and the world obviously in, in lots of uh, negative ways but also lots of positive ways and I think it deserves as many conversations as, as we can have about that. That's next time and if you like what you hear leave a review or a rating or just click the follow button. You can find me on Twitter at Rob Child where you can share your comments about the show. I'm Robert Child and this has been Point of the Spirit. Music licensed from audioblocks.com. Point of the Spear is produced by RSC Media Group. I wanted to take a moment to thank our growing army of listener supporter members. You make it possible to continue our mission of bringing you the best military history authors, filmmakers, and movers and shakers. If you're not a member yet, it's easy to join and it takes just seconds. Scroll down to the bottom of this episode's description and click the support link. You'll come to our anchor page, click the support button, complete the brief form. It's that easy. We're planning loyalty perks and giveaways to roll out over the coming months for our early supporters who sign on before the end of the year. So don't wait. Become a member today and thank you for your support.